Welcome to Process to Profitability, a podcast all about the tools and strategies you need to serve your clients and grow your small business, hosted by me, Samantha Mabe of Lemon in the Sea. Join me as I chat with creative entrepreneurs and small business owners about how they built and grew their businesses and how you can do the same in a way that fits you. Let's get started. You're listening to episode 146 of Process to Profitability. Pinterest can be frustrating for many entrepreneurs because we know that it can lead to traffic and sales, but it's very different from other social media platforms. Today, McKinsey Armstrong joins me to talk about growing your audience organically with Pinterest. We talk about using Pinterest for business, setting up your profile, and what you should be pinning. We also talk about the differences in brick and mortar stores and online stores using Pinterest strategically, as well as the best tools available. Mackenzie Armstrong is the owner of Armstrong Virtual Solutions, where she positions entrepreneurs' content on Pinterest to grow their audience and email lists using organic strategy. If you enjoy this episode, be sure to follow Mackenzie and leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts to help other business owners find the show and to help us bring on more guests to cover topics like this. Hi, Mackenzie. Thanks for joining me today. Hi. Thank you so much for having me on your show. I'm so excited. So tell us a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and how you got started in your business. Perfect. All right. So I am Mackenzie Armstrong. I am the founder of Armstrong Virtual Solutions, and I focus on helping people with their their Pinterest. I empower podcasters to populate their courses using Pinterest. So I help I help podcasters and bloggers really generate and grow their audience using the organic growth on Pinterest. Um, So a little bit of background on me is I, in a previous life, was a teacher, an elementary ed teacher, and decided that I wanted to stay home with my little ones um, and jumped into freelancing and never looked back. And that was uh, about three years ago. Awesome. I love how many teachers find their way into the entrepreneur space. I think teaching is a hard job, but you learn so many different skills that can be useful when you're dealing with clients and balancing all the things that come with a business. For sure. I definitely think that teaching really helped my management and or time management (laughs) and just management in general skills, just because juggling, you know, 30 kids in a classroom is definitely a lot more difficult. So (laughs) yes. All right. So today we are talking about growing your audience with Pinterest and that's what you help bloggers and podcasters do specifically. But today we'll be talking kind of more generally for any business owners, but let's start with how entrepreneurs can use Pinterest for their business. Perfect. So entrepreneurs can really utilize uh, the space of Pinterest, because think of Pinterest not as social media, but as a search engine. So I like to describe it as kind of Google and Instagram mixed together, where it's a visual search engine. So using Pinterest, it really helps the entrepreneur grab the attention of their ideal audience and ideal clients using graphics and pictures, which is something that's definitely not utilized enough, I feel. Um, it's just another avenue of like, being able to reach your reach your audience without constantly having to talk with them. You're able to attract them 
visually, which is great. Um, so with entrepreneurs, it's a great way to um, grow your audience when you have creative content. So when you're putting out that blog or podcast or even also products, it's a great way to get your product out on the market. And the best thing about Pinterest is that it is completely organic. You can utilize the platform without having to do any type of ads or ad spend. So you can really grow your audience with Pinterest. And actually, um, 97% of top searches on Pinterest are unbranded. So all of those small businesses and entrepreneurs that are on Pinterest aren't those big companies. They're not Coca-Cola. They're not Pepsi. So it really gives the opportunity of the, the smaller entrepreneurs to really shine and get their product out there. And also, um, 85% of pinners say that Pinterest is where they go to start a new project. So you're able to really grab the attention of your audience at the beginning of their journey in whatever they're trying to either buy or accomplish. So if you're a coach, you're able to really get the attention of your ideal audience early on, and you can really nurture that relationship to where they can really, your audience can get that like, know, and trust factor. Perfect. So I love that you mentioned that so many people start a project on Pinterest. And I think we, at least I typically think of that as like a home project or recipes, but it sounds like there are a lot of people looking for business type projects on there as well. For sure. So the best thing about Pinterest is it actually helps your ranking on Google as well. So if you're putting out your content, your product, anything that you want your audience to absorb from you, you can make a pin for. So I basically tell my clients or anybody that I talk to about Pinterest is if it has a URL, it can have a pin created for it. So you can create pins for your opt-ins and your landing pages and your freebies. You can create pins that lead back to your website, to products or testimonials to where you can really nurture your audience. So it's Pinterest is fantastic for any person or any client or any business within that journey. So from start to finish, you can really uh, absorb a greater audience and reach that audience in different times of their client journey or buying journey. So you mentioned that you can use Pinterest without ad spend. And I know you help people do that organically. Do you find that it's pretty successful with just the organic stuff and not it's not something we have to worry about using our ad dollars and our ad brain for? For sure. So I recommend that anybody who is even thinking about doing ads to make sure that they have a solid foundation for their organic strategy in place. So I don't recommend any type of ads to any business until they have a solid foundation of Pinterest and a solid audience. Because I think that if you're going to put out money for ads, you want to make sure that you have all the information and all the data that you need on your audience to really make your ad spend go as far as possible. So I think that, yes, I personally like to use Pinterest organically and for my clients as well. I don't really recommend doing ads often unless they're 
really adamant about it because I think that the organic feature of Pinterest is so powerful that ads aren't needed. But that's not saying that ads aren't also a great thing to utilize as well. I just think that that organic strategy needs to be in place. And then the good thing about Pinterest ads are that they are a lot, so much cheaper and go a whole lot farther. Your dollar goes a whole lot farther with Pinterest versus Instagram and Facebook. That's awesome to know. So let's transition into talking about getting that organic traffic set up. And I know a big part of that is getting the profile uh, in place. And I think this is something everyone struggles with, no matter the social media platform we're on. But how can we set up our Pinterest profile to attract some of our dream clients? Perfect. So what first what I try to tell my clients or um, is that when you're thinking about your client, I want them to think about the keywords or the terminology that they use when they're speaking about your product or about the niche that you're working in. Because with Pinterest, Pinterest is ultimately a search engine. So you want to make sure that your keywords, your SEO factor is very strong because that's how people are going to find you. And I really kind of hone in with my clients that I want you to think, get in the mindset of your client, what you think your keywords are and how you talk about your niche and your content may not be what your actual audience is, that terminology that your audience is using. So you really want to make sure that you're in the mindset of your audience and using their keywords that they're using, not necessarily the keywords that you use specifically within your business. Perfect. So can you just give us a quick maybe idea of the places that we should be using those keywords to make sure we're not missing any major parts of a profile. For sure. So you definitely want to make sure. So think of when you're using Pinterest and in the back end of your Pinterest account, any text is searchable. So your profile description is searchable. Your All of your pins are searchable. All of your uh, titles are searchable for your pins, as well as all of your boards and their board titles. So utilizing those keywords within all of the text and all of the, the backend text of your account is what's really going to push your account forward and make it ultimately searchable for your, your ideal audience. And, and the great thing about that is, is there's so many different avenues to use text in the backend of Pinterest that you can broaden your keyword to where you can be a little bit more broad versus a little bit more narrow in the words that you're choosing to really make sure that you're reaching all the different aspects of your audience. So you might be able to, somebody who's first starting off within looking at your niche or researching your niche might use more broader keywords versus somebody that's already researched it and is ready to pull the trigger on buying something or um, investing in anything. So you can really reach a wider audience by utilizing all the different text spaces within Pinterest. That's so helpful. And I know when I went in to work on my Pinterest, it's there's a lot of places to add text and descriptions and everything. And I feel like it seems overwhelming, but you bring up such a good point that when you have all of those options, it gives you a place to play around with more keywords. You can go broad, you can go narrow. Whereas 
for your website description, like you only get so many characters and that's all you have. And so Pinterest sounds like it gives you a lot more room to kind of try different things and see what's going to work. Yes. And especially when you get into the nitty gritty of of posting your content and creating pins for your content, that's really where you can get hyper-focused on the keywords that you're using that really brings in to the main topics of that content that you're putting out. So you're able to get that broad spectrum keywords within your account, and then you can really be hyper-focused in your actual pin descriptions and titles, which is a whole other facet of being able of searchability, which is awesome. Part of what it takes to run a successful online business is having the right tools for the job. I'm sharing a list of all of the tools I use in my business in my toolbox. And you can find that at lemonandthesea.com my dash toolbox to download it now. These include tools that I use for podcasting, designing, running my business, and other things. So you can get a real inside look at everything that I use every day in order to serve my clients well and grow my business. Again, you can find that at lemonandthesea.com slash my dash toolbox. So let's talk about the types of things that business owners should be pinning to an account. For sure. So Pinterest just kind of, I would say a year ago, did a huge overhaul to where they are really wanting people to provide new content and they're really wanting people to showcase their new content. So before um, when Pinterest first started, when you searched it, you might see the same graphic 15 times in a row. Mm-hmm. Whereas now they're wanting that new creative side. They're wanting all new things. So I say that anything that has a URL can be pinned. So I suggest that you pin, you can pin your website, you can pin your about page, your homepage, you can pin your blog, your podcast, you can even pin third party websites such as Teacher Pay Teacher or YouTube. Now, the thing with that, the drawback with that is that you can't track your data Mm -hmm. as closely because it's a third-party website and you're not able to get that content. But if you, I still with, with YouTube, I suggest to my clients that they embed the YouTube video on their website on a each, just like you would with a podcast episode. And then you can draw people to your website and they're still able to get that content from YouTube, but you're able to grab those analytics. So You can pin your YouTube, your blog, your podcast, any products that you sell. If you are, say you sell Etsy Etsy and things like that, you can sell your products and create pins that link back to Etsy or even a Shopify account or whatever you're, you're selling your digital products or if you're making jewelry, anything like that. So brick and mortar is really able to utilize that for their products. So I think that anything that has a URL can have a, a, a pin created for it. Now, the thing with Pinterest is, so when I create pins for my clients, I create upwards of five to seven pins per piece of content. So I'm putting out that content five to seven times with a different graphic to Mm. go along with it. Pinterest does not want to see the same thing back to back in your in your feed they want to see that there is um some space in between graphics and also the thing with pinterest is it's a great way to 
bring life back into older content, older content that you have posted. So if you um, had a post or a blog post or a podcast that went viral or a product that went viral two years ago, throw some new graphics on there and send that pin back out and breathe, breathe life back into that, that product. Because the thing with Pinterest is with Facebook and Instagram, your post or your product might only last on somebody's feed for upwards of maybe 48 hours, depending on how much traction it gets. Whereas with Pinterest, it's searchable, it's archived. So you can go ahead and still utilize things that have been posted 2017, 2010, things like that. So think about when you, if you ever search on Pinterest for a recipe, you might pull a recipe up that was posted in 2015, you know, but you're still able to get traction to that post because of your keywords and putting out new graphics for it. So it helps the, with the longevity of your content and how far you can push your content to your audience. That is so helpful. And I think it's a good tip to remind people to create different pins for their content. So you said, you know, you do five to seven for each piece of content. And so many of us are just doing like one or maybe two and we put it out there and we, we just do that. And so knowing that Pinterest really wants new graphics and new images, it's really helpful. And to just kind of make that a part of our process so that we are not having to go back and figure all that out later. Yes. And the great thing is, is if you tie in or toggle your Pinterest with your um, Google Analytics, you can really go back to last year and, or two years and see, well, what was trending at that time and just put out those pins again, not recreate the wheel, just put out new graphics with them. And then they're able to recirculate and hopefully still continue to build up your audience and bring your audience back to your website. Perfect. So do you have any tips on balancing how much we post of our own stuff versus pinning things that other people have created? Like, what does that look like in a successful Pinterest strategy? For sure. So when Pinterest first came out, there was the the 2080 rule where you're posting 20% of your content and 80% of other people's content. That has completely flipped. Um, and I recommend doing a 90-10 or a 95 and 5%. So like I will put out for my clients, I'll put out a fresh pin manually on Pinterest each day. And then I'll use a third-party scheduler to repost older content. And then I might within five to 10 of those a day, there might be one person, one other person's content in there. But that's like, I like completely vet that that person has content that my audience is going to really want to see and that it's, it's valuable content. I don't want to put anything that's not ideal for my audience or my client's audience on my Pinterest or on their Pinterest page. Okay. That is so helpful. And I think it's a different way of thinking about it that I really, I'm not up to date on Pinterest, which is why you're here, but to know that we should be pinning mostly our stuff and the things that we do pin from other people, it shouldn't just be to like hit those numbers. We should be strategic in it. We should make sure that it works, that it's helpful for our audience instead of just trying to hit like so many pins from different people to make Pinterest happy. 
Yes. And the thing with Pinterest is their new AI that they have adopted this past year is it really is hyper-focused on what you are doing as an individual. So it's not going to compare you to Sally down the street and what they're doing. So what Pinterest wants you to do is it it wants you to be consistent and whatever your consistency is fine. Don't try to push out a whole bunch of content and it overwhelm you. So if you're putting out one new product a month, or I recommend one, one new piece of content a week, if whatever feels good to you and whatever you're able to put out and confidently put out, then that's what you stick with. So once you start your strategy on Pinterest, the AI will start to learn with what you're doing and then expect that. And then once you've become stable in that strategy, then that's when it's going to really start to push your content to your ideal audience because it knows what you're doing. Now, say you decide to either add an extra blog post or something or add or take away a product that next month, that's fine. You may see a dip in your analytics, but that's just the Pinterest computers kind of figuring out what you're doing. So it knows what's your stability and how to put out your content. Okay. That is so helpful. And just getting that peek behind the scenes of, of what they're looking for is makes it so much easier to know kind of how to set up our strategy. And it's, a relief almost to know that we don't have to be pinning, you know, 10 different things a day. It's really more about being consistent and creating a schedule that works for us instead of feeling like we have to be there all the time doing everything. For sure. And just know that Pinterest is learning from you. It's kind of creepy to think about. I'm not going to (laughs) lie, but, (laughs) but they really kind of take into account what you're doing. And then when you've shown that, then they're like all for you putting out your fresh content because they are super focused on getting new content to their Pinterest users. That's their main focus right now. And utilizing all the different aspects of Pinterest versus such as the different types of pins and things like that. Okay. So can you talk just really quickly about the different types of pins and if we should be doing all of them? For sure. So the there's three main pins. So there's the, your standard pin, there is a video pin, and there are idea pins. Now there are carousel pins, but they, I feel, have kind of been phased out. I haven't heard much about them in Pinterest communities. And I also feel that they are going to start phasing out the video pins and just have you create a video pin using the idea pin platform. So ultimately, I suggest as of right now with how everything's going with Pinterest that you utilize your standard pin. And I recommend one standard pin a day. Um, and that's a new stand. That's a new graphic going out. Um, a video pin a week, if not two a week, would be great. And then at least one idea pin a week, if not more. And they're really, really p- pushing idea pins now. Idea pins have a different, a different viewing with Pinterest. So basically, a standard pin and a video pin will take you back to your website mm-hmm. or wherever it's pinning to. Whereas the idea pin, they are really trying to foster a community on Pinterest. So an idea pin is not supposed to take you to another website. It's supposed to keep them on the platform. And that's where people can comment and like your pins and ask questions and things like that. And you can start to get that 
that community feeling like you do on Facebook with the engagement and things like that. So they're kind of trying to get their feelers out there to some form of social media aspect, but really it's really trying to keep the people on Pinterest. So, and you want to be strategic with how you're plate, how you're pinning your idea pins in relation to your static pins. Cause I always try to have it to where the idea pin, since it doesn't link back to anything that those standard pins are kind of right there. So that way people don't have to scroll too far to find the content that's actually on your idea pin. All right. Perfect. So let's talk about how Pinterest might be different for people who have a brick and mortar store versus an online business. Perfect. So with ideally Pinterest does amazing for the online space because you are putting all of your content on your website. You're putting your, your con or your creative content, like your blog and your podcast and your course loads and, and your course, um, information and anything like that or coaching versus the brick and mortar, which is usually a product-based store. Now that's not saying like, say a, a therapist or anything like that, who does have a brick and mortar space that can't put out that creative concept, like blogs and things like that, that post back to their website. But ideally, so the best way that I tell brick and mortars to utilize it is totally, especially after the whole COVID situation, to make sure that if you are going to go towards selling online, that you create pins for those products and put them out. Um, but also Pinterest helps your Google ranking, which is great for brick and mortar. So how many times have you gone to Google and you've searched something and it's brought up a Pinterest pin for you in that search? Mm -hmm. So you using that SEO for your Pinterest, as well as the SEO on your website and for your product, then you're kind of getting that double whammy of where you're, you're broadening that reach of your audience. So brick and mortar can really utilize that Google ranking. Awesome. That's so helpful. I think all of these things have been really helpful. Um, do you recommend any tools for using Pinterest effectively in all of these different you know, things that we are trying to set up as our strategy? For sure. So ideally, so before I would do any third party tool, just to make sure that you're utilizing the Pinterest platform, Pinterest wants you to use it. So make sure that you are putting out, you're creating pins in Pinterest and you're uploading your pins to Pinterest and doing that manual aspect of pinning, because that's really going to set you above other people when they're pinning, because Pinterest is going to put you above those who are just using a third-party scheduler. Now with things like if I'm repinning past content, because you can repin those older, those older mm -hmm. graphics, um, but you just don't want to do them like back to back. So with that, I recommend using Tailwind. Um, that is the third-party scheduler that I've had the most luck with. There are other schedulers out there. I just don't have as much use with them. Um, but Tailwind, it is an extra cost, but it definitely helps you automate your Pinterest to where you can work on your Pinterest and only for a month you could do maybe devote like three to four hours and you would be fine for that month of Pinterest pinning. So it really helps you streamline your pinning and automate your older pins that have already gone out. So I would just recommend Tailwind. And also Canva. I recommend because 
Canva has a free option if you're still DIYing it and kind of in the beginning stages of your Pinterest journey that um, you're able to create aesthetically pleasing graphics within Canva and they have um, different sizing and things like that that you can utilize within there. Awesome. And I was going to ask about creating graphics because I think I've seen in Tailwind they have something to create graphics. And so it's good to know Canva is going to work just fine for you. Yes. And I think Canva is a little bit more user-friendly than Tailwind is for creating graphics. Okay. So it sounds like, so we should be pinning like once a day, a new pin that we've created something that is different than everything else. And then we can also go back and schedule out some of those older pins. What mistakes do you see when it comes to business owners who are using Pinterest and things that they might, you know, not get as much traction from, they might not be able to grow as quickly? So I would suggest my one thing is that when you are creating pins and say you are creating those five to 10 graphics for that one piece of content, make sure that you, you utilize that title space for your pin because you don't have to make it the same title over and over and over again. Utilize the, the that your keyword research and then you can really test which keywords are doing well with your audience. So say you repeat the same the same keyword in seven different pieces of content, you're able to see that, okay, so this word really, really jives well with my audience and maybe this keyword doesn't. So let's eliminate that, but really utilize that avenue of, or that real estate for keywords for your title, make sure that your titles are different for each one. And just, and it doesn't have to be completely different, but you know, switch up your your phrases and things like that because Pinterest is really looking for keywords and also key phrases. So make sure that you're you're thinking about that. All right. Perfect. This has been so helpful. And I think just the updates on how Pinterest is thinking can really help people feel less overwhelmed. It's less work than we might think it is as far as you know being on there all the time where where Pinterest wanted us to be in the past. And so it sounds like this is a great way to take a little bit of time, think about your audience and your keywords and grow organically without feeling like you are just overwhelmed with another thing on your to-do list. Yes. And remember, Pinterest is free, so you don't have to, it's not going to break the bank. And once you get your footing in it, it becomes very, very simple and you're able to become more automated with it. And then it becomes less and less stressful for you. All right. So as we wrap up today, I always like to ask people if they could recommend one thing to a friend, what would it be? Hmm. Like in terms of Pinterest wise or in terms of anything? wise. In terms of anything. Anything. Okay. So I would say that a good coffee mug is the best thing. And that's what I would recommend because you can't get through your day without coffee. And who likes cold coffee unless it's nice coffee? And there, I feel like there is a difference. <laughs> but I would just recommend that. And, you know, kind of just let things go, you know, so don't, don't hold on to anything. So. All right. That's great advice on both counts. All right. So If people want to find and connect with you online and learn more about Pinterest and your services, where can they do that? 
Perfect. So you can find me at armstrongvirtualsolutions.com um, and you can totally um, feel free to contact me through there. Um, and also I am on Facebook. So Armstrong Virtual Solutions um, Facebook page. And also I have a freebie that I will have um, linked below that will be a quick little audit checklist for you to get your Pinterest. If you're DIYing it, get your Pinterest kind of set up and ready and optimized and ready to go. So you can start pinning without feeling overwhelmed. Awesome. I will link to all of that in the show notes and you guys should definitely go and check out that audit checklist. It's I'm sure it's going to be really helpful if you are trying to figure out what your Pinterest strategy needs to be and just check up on everything as you are diving into that. So thank you so much for joining me, Mackenzie. I am so glad you came on. And I think this is going to be a really helpful episode for so many people. Thank you so much for having me. And I am so excited to see everybody's journey on Pinterest. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Process to Profitability. Please take a minute to leave an honest review in iTunes so that I can help more small business owners and creative entrepreneurs find the show.